Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, until the end of time. Colin? Yes, James? Hi. Hi. Uh, It's a new decade. It is. It's a new decade, and it's a new day by day. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people who have heard us talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. before are probably a little bit like, oh, God. Oh, no, we're back (laughs) in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But I have good news, dear listener. Yes, we're back in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but the good news is that we're back to day by day. Like, we're we're sticking to the day by day thing. Yes. Uh, So, never fear. We're covering multiple scenes in today's uh, amount of stuff that we're watching. Yes. Um, So, let me tell you, this would have been... Uh, three episodes. Three, I think probably three episodes. Yeah. In in our original way, and now it's one. So like, yeah. you see how we're condensing. Like, let's and then like tomorrow. Whew. Oh my god, I don't oof. even want to think about that. Yeah. Actually, no. Um, so let's get into it though, shall we? This is Agents of Shield, season seven. Ooh, hang on. I I can again remember what I just said. Uh, episode three, and yeah. we're going to start at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, I mean you can. Watch the previously on thing if you want to, because it's stuff that you now know. But if yeah. you don't want to, you can skip that part. And then we're going to go until five minutes and five seconds. So here is what happens. A nighttime sky. At first, the desert scene is eerily quiet, except for a single owl hoot. And then we hear the song, Your Tender Lips, playing on the radio and rising in volume as we move across the sands to find a truck stopped beneath the stars. Two teens snuggle in the bed of the truck, and at first, the nervous boy misses all of her cues. She thinks his line of seeing a UFO in the desert was a line just to get her out there. But it worked. And then the two are just about to UFO each other when suddenly there is a disturbance in the sky above them as the Zephyr comes careening out of a time warp and struggles to maintain control of the vehicle. The two teens scream their heads off as it flies over. On the Zephyr, the crew is running to stations. They find that autopilot saved them from their fall and agree that they should probably be flying every time they jump, just in case, since they don't know when or where they'll end up. They're all worried about having left Enoch behind, however, and so they pick up their walkie-talkie to discover that it's getting radio signals from their new time zone. (laughs) Uh, The radio mentions more Pericomo on the way and their sponsor, the 55 Ford Thunderbird. Coulson then reveals that they are just above Broom Lake, Nevada, home of Area 51. That is Groom Lake. It is Groom Lake. I just, I don't know how I read that incorrectly. It is written correctly in my notes. (laughs) Not sure what I did there. Uh, Elsewhere, Luke and Abel meet with their predictor, Sybil, who assures them that they are still on the right path after the two Chronicom hunters argue over the fact that they're allowed, sorry, that they have allowed S.H.I.E.L.D. to live. The predictor explains that they must be delicate with time, and the Chronicoms talk about their new plan, which involves something called Helios. Sybil explains that if done correctly, their plan will be brutal and exacting. And then a very cool villain exit as all the lights turn off one by one, but they all still stand there to be left in the dark, ending our day. Uh, So I've got um, three notes for this episode. Okay. Uh, But I would also love to know your thoughts, and I'm sure we also have an Avengers Ensemble. We got an Avengers Ensemble. Uh, 
if we have time, I have a music of 1955 just to talk about a real quick important song. We can also uh, not, and that's fine too. Uh, we'll see where we land. Uh, I love the idea of, for them, 1931 just finished. Mm-hmm. They've skipped the entirety of the 40s and the 30s, and now they're in the 50s. They've missed everything we've done since uh, like April of 2022. Um, and I love that very much, uh, because it's sort of like, remember all the old conflicts that we, we had to talk about, like, oh, should, you know, whatever following orders and killing kids and all this stuff that we had Mm -hmm. to talk about, uh, they're back, but it's in fifties form. Like it, it's so funny that it's like, boom, it's, this is what I drew up. This is why, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show. Is because of this, like, they disappeared in 31. We had all of Captain America, all of Agent Carter. We, we met Ms. Marvel characters, all these things. And then, boom, they're back. But it's as if, you know, they jumped. Ugh, love it so much. That's my, my main thoughts are, well, I love time travel. That's I also I also love part of this because part of the purpose is, like, they want to destroy S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Uh, and at first it's like, maybe we can destroy it before it even begins. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, we couldn't do that, but maybe we can do it early on before we get to the, the, the ability of shield now. Yeah. Or in the present day, whatever, however you want to talk about that. Present past. So, right. So then they go back in time. So what I think is interesting though, is that I love the concept of, they do not go back to the forties because they also recognize that there are opportunities that they could stop shield or potentially prevent it, but the odds are even further in their like, you know, disadvantage because yes. not only do they have the agents of shield following them, but they also have the people of those times. You have captain America, you have Peggy Carter, you have Howard yeah. Stark, right? You have even Dottie Underwood, even I'm sure, you know, right. like would, would to some extent be able Ersk, to oh. help and prevent. <clears throat> but like, it's, it's all these thoughts of like, you know, they could have gone there and they're like, are you kidding me? The odds are yes. very stacked against us. And I feel like that's why they they prevent that, right? Because they have mm-hmm. the knowledge of what happens in those years because there have been observers there in the world, right? right. So like, I love the concept that they know what happens there. So they know specifically we're avoiding that time because it's, it's basically impossible for us. Like right. they go where the odds are the greatest chances for them. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so I truly, I truly think of that. It's just a funny way of looking at that really. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I had one of the things I was going to say about 55. Uh, oh no. I also love the fact that we've time traveled once, right? Right. Like this, I mean, okay. I guess technically two times in this regard, right? Like since this situation has began, this is our second time jumping through time. Right. I love that. Yo-Yo is immediately thinking that they're going to go back to their time by going, please tell me that's an oldie station. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you've jumped 24 years into the future. It's wild that you're like, surely we're back in the 20, you know, 18s or not 18, I'm sorry, in the 2010s, right? It's like, right. right, We've jumped back, you know, 80 years and they're like, no. And she's she's used to yo yo That's interesting. We go to 31, we go back to the present. There's two nodes. That's interesting. 
That's probably not what was supposed to happen there, but like I like that interpretation. Yeah. So that's very good, James. Thanks. I like that. Uh, hey, keep an, uh, listener, keep an eye out for future uh, episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where the music they find on the radio will immediately be uh, assessed and discussed as sort of like an assessment of the era. Oh, yeah. Also, don't worry because we're going to get to the music of this episode. Oh, are, uh, oh, are we? Oh, yeah. We've, I've got notes um, for, for this episode. <laughs> Uh, so before we get to those, how, how do we want to do this? Like what order of operations do we want to do? I mean, maybe we should get the Avengers ensemble out of the way just so that we can fully immerse ourselves in. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Avengers ensemble. So this is uh, season seven, episode three, as Colin mentioned, it's called alien commies from the future. Um, I always episode name. It's a great episode name. The logos continue to be on point. Uh, yeah, I love the stylized mm-hmm. logos for yeah. every era. Yeah, that's yeah. and also usually genre too that yes. they're kind of leading yes. on. I love that aspect of Me it. Me too, absolutely. Uh, I the fun side note, fun trivia about James. Uh, I always search alien commies from outer space. That's not what it is, but I do search it every single time. So uh, that's a little knowledge about what I do wrong. Uh, it aired on June 10th, 2020. It was directed by Nina Lopez Corrado. Uh, she directed four other episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., one episode of Manifest, one episode of The Gifted, one episode of The Purge, one episode of Once Upon a Time, one episode of Runaways, one episode of The Flash, one episode of The Librarians, one episode of Frequency, and one episode of The Mentalist. It was written by Nora Zuckerman and... Lilla Zuckerman, Lilla, I guess that's right. Um, it it wouldn't have autocorrected to a, the thing that it also said was spelled wrong. Uh, they are, I imagine, our <laughs> sisters. I didn't actually look it up, but they do have the same last name. So, uh, 1940s Russo brothers, the Zuckerman sisters. Um, she did so basically. It's sort of like their writing partners, like we've talked about before. I'll tell you the the differences when we get to Lilla, but. Uh, they did seven episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., six episodes of Human Target, which I believe, oh, if you're interested in, show. is uh, being covered by Superhero Show Show um, in the sort of lull between comic right. book stuff. Chi McBride and, um, oh my God, what's the name of the main guy, though? Um, Channing Tatum. No. Uh, hang on, what was the name of that dude? Um, Mark Valley. I knew it was uh, Mark something. Mark Valley. I want it to be a stage name so much, and yet I also don't. Um, you're in the Mark Valley now, baby. Um, so then Lila Zuckerman uh, did all direct, wrote all of those with Nora, and then she also did eight, but she did eight episodes less of Fringe. So she only did three episodes of Fringe. Mm, interesting. Okay. Uh, Sybil is played by Tamara Taylor. Um, she's in four more episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's in five episodes of Altered Carbon. She's in 223 episodes of Bones. Whoa. That's a lot of episodes. It basically means she's one of the... I mean, she has to be like a main character. She has to be sort of like a... Funnily enough, her name was also Tamara, like the Tamara Toonie, like the like the um, right morgue people, you know, more you know, like the mortician. Uh, 
like the autopsy person in uh, SVU. Like, you know, you have to go see her to get your information about who killed what. Um, mm-hmm. She was uh, Wonder Woman and Becca in Justice League Gods and Monsters. And she was in two episodes of Lost. She was in the movie Serenity and one episode of Early Edition. Uh, Biff the boy, uh, who is too interested in UFOs to get some, um, is played by a guy named Zach Pullum. Please, no jokes. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, he has been in no other nerdy stuff that I saw. Uh, Barb, uh, who is uh, trying to get some, is played by uh, an actress named Peyton Wolf, W-O-O-L-F. Uh, she was in one episode of The Goldbergs, and she began performing at the age of three, becoming the youngest person to sing the national anthem at an NBA game. Wow. So that's a that's yeah. a wild stat. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I also uh, just real quick was May in this uh, scene where they're like, "Well, where are we?" She wasn't, uh, right? No. Okay, that's why I put in my uh, characters appear, but I did not have it here. I also yeah, she, Colin she's did not here yet because they mention in the next episode ne- right, needing because she doesn't know where they are and right. Right. Um, I did do some uh, updates on. Our agents of Shield since it's been a bit, just to see how they're doing, see if there are any updates on their, mm-hmm. you know, their careers. Uh, Clark Gregg is on the current season of Snowpiercer. Uh, mm-hmm. He so far has one episode in, but I think that it's the beginning of the season. It is, yeah. He's got more. Yeah. Uh, Chloe Bennett was on an episode of Dave uh, with Lil Dicky uh, oh, cool. because she is having a varied and eclectic career. Um. Uh, Elizabeth Henstridge, Henry Simmons, Natalia Cordova Buckley, and Jeff Ward, or Jeff Ward, as we like to call him. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was no real updates to uh, anything they did since we last saw them uh, in 1931. Uh, Tobias Jelinek, who plays Luke, was in three episodes of Mayfair Witches, uh, which is that uh, show with Alexandra Daddario on it, and it looks uh, she has great eyes. Um, and Ryan Gray, uh, who plays Abel, did stunts in The Gray Man. Um, with oh, cool. Chris yeah, Evans. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then uh, just a real quick f- uh, fun trivia about uh, Nina Lopez Corrado, uh, the director. They showed her the sign for Groom Lake, uh, the props department did, and it looked too good. So she personally took an axe to it to make it look more distressed. I love that. Yeah. That's a director um, right there. So, okay, uh, before we move out of Avengers Ensemble, yeah, I would like to give a speculation on Please. career moves. Okay. Uh, because this is something that I got very excited about the other day on Twitter, uh, and I definitely forwarded it to you and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So there is potentially some major Chloe Bennett news. Uh, so I'm, um, you know, quake, uh, and I'm very very excited about it and I need to talk about it because if it doesn't happen okay I'll be bummed yeah. and I'll be like I can't believe I talked about it on the show but if it does happen I would I, I want to be like one of the people that's like on air if you will like with breaking news effectively right so the other day the rumbles someone, of a new news like a yeah yeah uh so the other day someone um was on Twitter and I don't even remember why they were getting into it but like there was a whole argument happening about like the the acting ability of different people in things like Agents of Shield and like what it would mean to bring people from those series into 
definitely connect them into the MCU timeline, everything like that. And someone was being really argumentative and really kind of rude about shitty, um, yeah, really shitty about people's abilities and specifically like naming them and specifically yeah. Chloe Bennett. Um, right. And uh, like they kind of kept going on and on and on. And then she specifically tweeted, actually, hang on, I'm going to read the actual tweet one second. Um, the whole point though is that someone was like, yeah, you're, you're not going to see her in any major, you know, Marvel products, you know, because of like, you know, uh, because of, you know, this, this or that. Right. Um, he's, uh, they, and they, they mentioned the best acting on a soap opera isn't really a major accomplishment talking about her, her time on a soap opera or whatever. And she said, Hey man, you seem like a mean loser. Also, I have a strong feeling your tweets aren't going to age well. And then like the emoji and then the sunglasses emoji which i love because i identify as the sunglasses smiling emoji guy um that's like my favorite i it's probably my most used emoji truthfully Mm. um which is that because i I feel like a lot of the times i'm like that's me that's just how i am hoping that i react or look like or whatever but anyway both my favorite emojis are full teeth emojis both the smiling like or the the one that I was just talking about, the one that's like, uh, uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, I do use that one a lot. Yeah. I I use okay. My top three used are probably those two that she used, right? Uh, and then also the upside down smiley guy. Sure, I've seen. I use that a, a shit ton a yeah. lot. Uh, I will admit that, like, yes, a there's a lot. lot of people who are going to be like, you use the pizza emoji all the time, but I don't use the pizza emoji like in messages, right? I use sure. I've in in apps where you can change your reactions. I have replaced the thumbs up with a slice of pizza. So if I send you a slice of pizza, like like as like a reaction to something, that's me giving it a thumbs up. Like, hey, I like that because right. I like pizza. Um, right. So that's my reasoning. You know, yeah, it just makes, makes me a little me. different. Makes me quirky and you know, uh, different. Um, it, you know, I'm, I'm built so different. Exactly. I'm so yeah, exactly. I am built different. That's exactly how I feel. Um, so anyway, I, the whole point though is that there's a strong possibility that she's going to come back, and my guess. My genuine personal guess is that it's going to be in Secret Invasion. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I, there's a couple other projects that I could see happening, like specifically like an Avengers film. Like she doesn't even have to be like majorly like, you know, on screen a long time. But in something like Secret Wars and stuff like that, yes. I could see one, effectively yeah. a cameo um, yeah. or something By like that. By the way, the new Secret Invasion series that's happening like right now mm-hmm. is really good oh really i haven't read any of it it's yet, so. really good um oh, sick. okay i'll check that out also um people don't like woke culture but they yeah. aren't even ready for quake culture <laughs> i'm moving on it's boo um you're moving on absolutely that I is 100 correct that's actually what's happening so i just <laughs> want to point that out because like yes i i cannot describe to you how stoked i am um also, she's a great actress. Yeah, she really like, is. She's very like good. fuck off, guy. Like yeah, yeah. Anyways, because I don't think he was referring to a soap opera appearance. I think he was basically saying Agents of Shield is a soap opera compared yes, to that's, which that's, is ridiculous. That's what I'm starting to realize because I was thinking in my head, I was like, wait, as much as I said the thing, I was like, I don't think she has been on a soap opera. Yeah, um, it's it's. But, she's been I mean, basically I could be network totally television is bull. You know, fuck off. Right. Anyways, yes. Okay. That would be very, very, very cool. Oh, yeah, that is that is exactly what it is, by the way, just to be specific, because his response was in in his reply, rather, was in response to, um, you know, 
uh, it was the response. I mean, no offense, but Chloe's performance in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was some of the best acting in the show. Saying she's not up to the caliber of actors who appear in other projects is just wrong to me. And that's why he said, the best acting on a soap opera isn't really a major accomplishment. It's like, okay, not even close to a Tell soap that to opera. Susan, Susan Lucci, please, and then sit down. Uh, also, to be very clear, it can't be a soap opera because there aren't enough evil twins and people so constantly bad. coming back from the dead. Now, granted, I want to be very specific. There is one character who has technically come back from the dead a couple of times, but like that's that's not enough to make it a soap opera. You know what I mean? And he did have that evil twin with Sarge. And stuff. It, listen, let's all just calm like, down. Is that Comic really, books you know, it's, are it's tough. soap operas it's tough. for kids. Um, and I think that that's fair and, and true. And adults. Um, uh, I also uh, would say that uh, it's a very ignorant thing to say because he obviously hasn't spent as much time. He hasn't been listening to the Avengers ensembles uh, as closely as he should have, because a lot of people started off at, in soap operas that are now major actors that you would point to as like, these are great actors. Like they've started in soap operas. Stop, stop. Uh, there's misogyny there that I don't care for, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm, yeah. No, good point. Yes. Okay. But that I believe is the end of Avengers ensemble. If we would. Want it is. To do, yeah. We can uh, move on. Yeah. Why don't we do... Okay, let me ask you this, James. Yes. Um, so I'm going to go back to the notes on the actual show. So uh, I would like to start here, I think, which is that we specifically stated that this scene or this clip or whatever, however you want to describe this, mm-hmm. um, is clearly not the same day as the yes. next bit of the episode. Correct. Um, and th- I'm going to read your note word for word, and then I would like to hear you talk about it, which is sure. you said... It's not the early morning. It is the night before. The radio would be different at 3 a.m. I would also like to specify that also I'm sure that if there were two teenagers out in the desert at 3 a.m., the town would be up at arms. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I imagine that they're just out. Like, it's getting close to Or they'd curfew. be done. Is that weird to say? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think I said that. I said that. Oh, oh No, I'm oh. saying, like, or they'd be done. Like... Sure, yeah, yeah. Biff, Again, my guy, to, what are To you go doing? back to the joke that I had said, they were going to UFO each other, um, which I yeah. was so proud of, because it's like, you know, anyway. Uh, so, And, you know, I, I wrote that in my name. I I, I have, yeah. why don't you UFO, like, UFO, why don't you yeah. fuck off? Yeah, but yeah. that's the different, yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, I mean, the car advertisements aren't things... I don't know. There's a like DJs talking to to the listeners out there doesn't feel like a thing that would be happening in the early morning hours of a of a radio program, right? Because wouldn't you'd you get be your essentially sort of, pre-programmed at that point? Yeah, you get well, you get like a Wolfman Jack that's like, hey, all you lovers out there, you know, like you get like, uh, yeah, or you'd get like report, Farm Report type stuff where it's like everyone that's awake right now is do is Chorin to quote Letter Kenny and Correct. like. You would not be doing like this is brought to you by cars, you know. Yeah, if I may, what you're getting is how to be a farmer with Jeff Smith. Hey, everybody, listen up, Sprouts. I know a thing or two about farming, so here's the kind of thing that you're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Have you ever considered red pepper seeds? They're uh, growable both in summer and in fall. So uh, why don't you try that one out, Sprouts? See mm-hmm. you next time. Mm-hmm. That's a very specific reference uh, to true believers and fans. You know where I'm coming from. That is uh, something from a thing that I've been streaming. So I think that it's pretty obvious that like this is taking place in the late night 
or the sorry, the late the evening, like your mm-hmm. eight thirty nine o'clock area, and then we have sort of time passing between, like when we see like the Chronicoms and Sybil and stuff. That's you know getting close into the eleven o'clock hour, and then it's funny because we did this in nineteen thirty one as well, where they showed up right at the end of a day, and then we we called it like the beginning of the day was when the first, you know, it was a, it was a different time. So we called the first scene of the thing of the day, you know, uh, this thing, but like, I think it's funny to, to, to do it. I think it's fun to do it again and for it to make sense again, where it's like, they always show up like the evening before they walk into town, like, um, that kind of thing. But yeah, that's pretty much all I had about it is the social mores of two teens being out super duper late at night and what a radio would sound like at three o'clock in the morning. Yes, I'm so sorry. Give me, give me, You're fine. give me one second. Um, I have an app that's literally freaking. It's giving me nonstop uh, notifications right now. Like it, all I heard just now was, "You're, f- hang on. Oh no, it's not freaking out. It was just actually someone being weird. Just, mm. th- I'm right here. Is all I'm saying. Why did I just hear? Okay, sorry. I've got to get out of this. Uh, it's literally playing audio cues now. I don't, I don't know what's happening. Uh, please mute this app permanently. Not permanently for the next 12 hours. There we go. Sorry about that. Um, that was wild. Uh, <laughs> it, like I opened it to get rid of it because it just kept going like boop, 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 boop. And then there was a talk to, talk to speech mm. thing in it, which I didn't know you could do in that app. And so then people were just submitting things. And I was like getting literal like like sentences in my ears. And I was like, stop, stop, stop. I don't want this. <laughs> this is, I, I hate do this Do not energy. like, do not like. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's almost like it's the concept of like, it's a texture thing. I'm like, uh-huh. I'm podcasting. You can't, you can't distract me like this. Please leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. Um. <clears throat> so anyway, what was the very last thing that we said before that just, app freaked the just fuck out? That those, uh, those are the two reasons why it feels like they, right, uh, correct. and that. the time. It also is funny that this is the second, you know, you said it's the second time we've seen them time jump and it's the second time they've, they've shown up like right at the end of a, of a day. That's a good and point. And then it yeah. goes into the next day. Yeah. I always want, you know what I think is interesting about that? And I think that this is a very tactical thing because remember they're following on the wake of right. the waves, right? I think what's happening is that the Chronicoms always had to get there a little bit early so they can have their strategizing time. Setups. Yeah, like we exactly. just saw yeah. In this scene or in this clip rather. And so because of that, they also get the time to rest, relax, and catch up and say, What are we looking at? What's the thing that we're, you know, trying to solve in this in this time zone? Yeah. It gives them the time to do the detective work, which I think is very fun. Yeah. Um and again, they have to meet with Sybil um to mm-hmm. discuss what's happening. Uh so I would also like to talk about some time stuff here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my only other note after the time stuff is something about Sybil. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll do those, I think, in that order. Sure. Uh, so here's something fascinating to me about the ABC shows for Marvel. Okay. And that is that they sometimes struggle with music and how it fits into time. Right. Uh, this is not the first time. In fact, we had this conversation a couple of times during Agent Carter, I believe twice, if not three times. 
Mm-hmm. It's frequently always a song that came out the following year is being used on the year in question. Right. Which is wild to me. So the song that we heard in this episode was a song that is that was a, uh, the first time we ever heard it like as a society. Um, it was performed by a, a group called The Clovers. Uh, and again, that song in question was the song Your Tender Lips. Uh, what is also interesting, though, is that that song came out in 1956. Mm-hmm. So very odd that they're using it in 1955. What's also very fun is that the specific version that they are playing, um, again, I think we're supposed to you know, get the idea of this is a song of that time. Mm-hmm. And hopefully no one will recognize the fact that it's not the original version of the song. It's a cover. Uh, and it's the Merked Blue Notes. And this is their performance from 1961. So once again, music that doesn't exist yet being yeah. played. God bless you know. Howard Stark for, for really moving the recording industry up like for sure, six, yeah. six or so years. Um, now, like, I will admit that, like, I, I totally, like, I'm willing to forgive the fact that they're using a different version of it because this has happened in... I think also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they use like a modern day modern, cover of yeah. a song mm-hmm. because that's what they could easily get the rights to or whatever. Or right. actually, more than likely, they hired that group to do the cover right. Right. Um, because that's way cheaper to do um, right. than licensing both the uh, – because that's what happens when you when you license something for TV and film. Here's a fun thing for you. You have to do two separate um, licenses. You have to have a license for the composition – and then you have to have a license for the uh, mastered track mm-hmm. for the actual audio. So you know, getting the 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 uh, approval essentially of the of the composer or of the writers, uh, I would say is usually what keeps you from actually getting a song into a movie, um, like or TV show. That is actually that that's for example like having Paul McCartney back before the the rights were bought um, declining. Beatles songs being used in like commercials or certain TV shows or whatever. Like they got right. to decline those things because of that. And in, in, in terms of that, they technically still got to say no, even after the rights to their songs were sold because right. the rights were sold for the, com- uh, for the masters, not for the compositions. Um, but like, you know, like that's why they got some say over what was done with the thing. Uh, and it's why for also, for example, talking about, you know, a good example of someone using a cover instead because it was cheaper. Uh, Fallout 76 wanted to use um, Take Me Home by John Denver and the John mm-hmm. Denver estate. They were like willing to let the song be used, but they they said specifically they could not allow their the, the, the Denver version because they didn't think that his voice being put over top of violence was acceptable. Right. That, was the, that was the reasoning. So it's like that's a fascinating I, thing. So they were kind of like yeah. – they're like yes, but no, which is such a you know interesting yeah. concept. But like that's what's happening here. I, I I get that sometimes licensing is weird. Yeah. So you kind of go, or also sometimes it's about clarity. Perhaps sure. the murked blue notes version is a little bit faster. Maybe the quality of recording is a little bit stronger. Yeah. Um, there's a longer intro, I think, in the Clovers version. So it's like maybe mm-hmm. they just were like, we need to be able to get to the song, like you know, get to it. So, so there's that note. Um, but again, huh. people being weird about time in how they structure things. Uh, yeah. Something that really bothered me about the commercial or the, the copy read that he gives. 
right? When he's like, but first a word from our sponsors, which is, you know, the Ford 19, well, he doesn't say 19, but the 55 Ford Thunderbird. And then like, you know, some yeah. sort of slogan for whatever, which he mentions as being all new and that they now have. Right. Now, I could see a small car dealership because it's specifically a car dealership that is sponsoring. And they're right. the ones saying that we now have it, right? Right. I could understand them saying we now have some of these. But calling it the all new is wild because we by now are in the process as Americans of having a model year being for the year that's upcoming when a car comes out. So the 1955 Ford Thunderbird was built in 1954. Right. So this car is not new, especially not in July of 1955. Right. So right. it's a weird, it's such a weird line to me where I'm like, okay, so you're playing a song from 56 and then talking about a vehicle from 1954. So I guess you're just going, let's just put it smack dab in the middle to split the difference. But at the same time, I'm like, that doesn't fully track for me, my guy. Right. Uh, but that's just where we're at. So I just wanted to point out that this is a weird, it's, I don't know, it's just a, it's an odd choice. It's, uh, it's I, weird, especially because like, they take that ad and they're like, oh, it must be 55. Yes, that's also a good point. Like, I, I hadn't thought about that. What it, What is very interesting about that is that, like, is that to some extent you could almost assume that that means it's 1954. But I right. will say since it's July, you definitely are because, you know, the production and release of the car would have been October, November of right. 1954. Um, the production would have started probably earlier in 54. But uh, they, they come out basically for, like, close to the holiday season, essentially right. to lead into the following year. Um, because even back then we were putting giant ribbons on cars and just saying, Hey, I made this huge financial choice for our family for the holiday season. Um, <laughs> that SNL bit is truly, it's truly so good. funny. Um, yeah. It was only 4% Aper. Aper? <laughs> uh, I, I love the concept of any kind of bit where it's like someone is, saying something out loud where you go, you clearly don't know what that means. And so therefore yeah. you shouldn't be allowed to make a decision on it. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, which I think is very silly. Um, yeah. So my only other note though, for this episode uh, is about Sybil. Mm -hmm. I have a, both a, a thing that James had pointed out, but then also uh, I had actually fun, fun enough. I'd actually already found um, a, like in the comics situation mm -hmm. that then kind of, fed into each other. So, uh, so Sybil, the Sybils, you know, kind of as a, not like a name name, but like a, more like a title, uh, were female seers, S E E R S, right. You know, like mm -hmm. fortune, not exactly fortune tellers, but like future seers, yeah, future yeah. seers. Yeah. Um, from the ancient world whose prophecies it was that are thought to have been, uh, the folks who foretold the coming of Christ, which is interesting. Um, mm. they have a bunch of works that have 25 large illuminations, uh, and uh, one of them also depicted Noah's Ark, which is interesting. Uh, so there's a bunch of like historical uh, context, essentially, to having yeah. Sybils who see the future, right? And so, of course, all of these uh, characters, these Chronicoms, who are coming into our world and using these like literal biblical names, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you had your your Matthew, Mark, Luke's, and uh, Cain and Abel's, and Enoch's and you know all, all these bits and bobbles, yeah. right? So like, then of course having uh, Sybil 
come into to being mm-hmm. and being the person that's looking at the time stream and going, oh, we must be very cough, uh, you know, uh, cautious with the with the timeline, things yeah. like that. Like that makes so much sense. Um, now, yeah. I don't know. I, I will say, be very specific. I don't know if this is supposed to be a direct one off of Sybil from the comics, which actually there are two. Uh, one of them is a little bit more problematic to me, I oh, think, okay. um, which I won't fully get into. But like one of them is specifically uh, has a uh, is a mutant, I believe, and uses um, the ability to see the future. But like their other like Sybil is like their name, but their like hero name or their alias. I don't think they use it anymore, but they did, I think, up until like the 2010s. Uh I forgot the second name. It's it's like a two name name, right? So it's like the hmm hmm. But the 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 first blank there was the uh, slur for Romani people uh, that starts with a G. Yes. yes, yes. Uh, and so I was kind of like, I don't really want to get into that because that's also sure. kind of a stereotypical thing to sure. equate future like fortune tellers, future right. seers with that phrase and stuff like that. So right. Uh, but I will go with Sybil which is their real name, uh, and then their current alias, which is Oracle mm-hmm. um, in comics, which is also an X-Men-related character, uh, who originated in X-Men number 107, July 1977. Um, and Lady Sybil was a member of the Imperial Guard, a multi-special group of super-powered alien beings who acted as enforcers of the laws of the Shi'ar, I believe is how you say that, Empire? Shi'ar? I think it's Shi'ar. Shi'ar, maybe? I don't think because I've never heard they're it said anti, out they're loud. They're the non-Cree. They're the correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they frequently are shown as like the folks with like the uh, like large like triangular yeah. heads. You yeah. know, um, they're they are kind of like birds though. They're like they're yeah. they they're in fact I think they have been called aviary or something like that like before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a like a screeching mm. bird. Oh, now, you know what? And here's a fun fact for you. Uh, if you click on the, the the name, it does say, in fact, the Shi'ar are an avian-descended humanoid race. So they are actually like bird-related. So uh, that mm. does make some sense as to why they keep looking like they have like big like plumes of feathers yeah. on their head is because it uh, it just, it is. <laughs> yeah, in um, the 80s, it just looked like cool new wave hair. It, yeah, that's very true. Uh, <laughs> one second. C- close that tab. There we go. Uh, so anyway, so she was just a part of that. Uh, she clashed, sorry, she like with, with the guard that I was just mentioning clashed with the X-Men and were on the verge of winning when the band of interstellar freebooters known as the star jammers arrived to turn the tide of battle in the X-Men's favor, which I just wanted to kind of get into that because the star jammers are such a wild team. Um, that's, that's what happened. in I was on a superhero show show episode where we talked about an X-Men, the animated series episode. Yes. Where the star, that, the that star jammers, is what happened. The Starjammers are happened. such a funny character thing because I was reading through something else recently in X-Men that happened in like the 2010s where it was like quite literally just out of nowhere. They randomly were like, oh, and by the way, Starjammers. And you're like, what? What? It like it came out of left field. There was no it's not that there was no warning. They mentioned the guy who's the captain who I'm forgetting his it's name. A- Scott Summers' dad. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's his dad. But like, uh, what is his name? It's Ronald. um, it's whatever Summers. Anyway, it's one of the Summers. But like, we cool. haven't talked about him in like 10, 15 years. And then like randomly, they're just like, oh, 
something something and there's like oh with my dad and you're like what and then like two panels later or two pages later they're just suddenly like and now here's the full might of the star jammers and you're like what the hell and like (laughs) it's just like a bunch of characters that like i haven't seen since maybe i was like a single digit age child yeah and you're like oh well okay weird (laughs) um so yeah anyway uh but uh the last thing i'll say is about her ability and stuff like that is that she is a member of an unidentified alien race whose member all possess telepathic abilities to varying degrees um she's able to read the thoughts of other sentient being, beings project her own thoughts into the minds of others uh and to uh that's basically why they believed her to be a future seer um which is something that uh, some people thought but she does also have psycho psychoscopic awareness well that's hard to say mm. um oracle possesses the ability to expand her overconsciousness, which allows her mind sight to read the impressions left by events in the fabric of time and matter um and then she can extend the awareness to other people showing them what she sees so mm. she sees like both past and pre- uh, future i guess because of the impressions and like what it what it means to the timeline um, and then she also has the, a flight patch, which is an anti-gravity device enabling her to fly. Because, of course, Love it. you know, She's most, to most people flight, So she has that flight patch on her own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so like, again, I don't necessarily know if they're fully related at all, but like just the concept of there is at least a Sybil that sees yeah. the future and stuff like that in yeah. the comics. So it's like maybe there's some sort of um, connection. They both have short hair. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's anything. Yeah. But it absolutely. could be. Absolutely. And that's it for me. So Well, um, I just want this is gonna be the the fastest music of uh sec- segment I've ever done. Yeah. Uh music of nineteen fifty five, number one on the charts when this episode takes place, Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley in the comments, which uh is arguably one of the milestones of the beginning of rock and roll. So I would agree, it's a great song. Um, it's a fantastic, I, yeah, it's a really good song and it's, it's really cool that they, that they show up now. Like it, like that it's, it's, it's like the, you know, the couple of weeks when that was sort of, you know, all over the place. Cause it's like, well, they, you know why it's because of the comets. Right. Space. Exactly. Exactly. Space race and space age and all that other stuff. Sometimes I forget that it's a Haley's comet, uh, reference. Um, mm-hmm. feel Haley on the comments. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so just that you know, go listen to that song. It's a good song. That's I mean, that's I don't need to like I have background on it. It's a rock and roll song. It was uh, not the first version of it. I don't know. We don't need to get into it. But this is this is right around the time of Rock Around the Clock, which means that we are right on the cusp of being able to talk about songs like in the popular culture when mm-hmm. we get into the 70s because again, we're skipping the 60s entirely. We can start talking about like when this takes place, this is what was going to be on the radio. And I'm excited mm-hmm. about that. Um but for now, shall I uh shall I uh uh what is it do draft? We... No, we we hadn't established yet. Yeah, we, we hadn't we established that. So we need to think of something for season seven. Um... shall I um make some some uh ripples, not waves, and uh, take us over to some social media? Yeah, I think that works. All right, cool, cool, cool. We can always keep working on it. I'm going to give some social media handles, and here they are. Uh, You can follow our show on Twitter at TimelineScav. We're part of the Scavengers Network, which you can follow on Twitter at ScavengersNet. Individually, 
I can be found rocking around the clock uh, on Twitter at Unabashed James. And Colin, where (laughs) can we find your tender lips on Twitter? Fascinating choice. Uh, You can find me there at Colin M. Parker. And same for twitch.tv, by the way. Colin M. Parker. For sure. For sure. If you want to see those tender lips and be like, ooh. That's a good point. Yeah, you can see those lips. You could say. Um, um, Umbershire. Uh, the last person I need to uh, mention their social media handle is the composer of the intro and outro of the um, of the show. He composed the music. His name is Nick Bramald. You can find them on Twitter at nbramald or n-b-r-a-m-a-l-d or at nickbramaldcomposer.co.uk. We are in the 50s. We are on the fast track to the... Re- title redacted that we're going to end the year on. I'm very, very excited. We're going to be blasting through a, a number of in, incredible origin stories this starting from here. Um, and I'm excited to talk about them. But for now, let's get out of here. I'm James Anderson. And I'm Colin Parker. <laughs> One, two, three, clock, four, clock Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> Your tender Excelsior. It James for Thee is a Space Jam review and appreciation podcast. With new episodes released yearly on Michael Jordan's birthday, February 17th. Hosted by As Sid, Tay, Dan, and Colin. Ask not for whom the space jams. It jams for thee. On the Scavengers Network. That's all, folks. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.